my friends, and welcome to another episode of the J.D. Rucker Show. I am your host, J.D. Rucker, and it is good to be back live on the air. You know, we've been running reruns for a little bit. Life throws curveballs at you sometimes. Uh, I'm not going to go into too many details other than <laughs> it's been it's been a roller coaster ride, and there's been a mix. It, it hasn't been all bad. There's been some good. There's been some bad. There's been some actually really, really good. And there's been some minorly bad. I'm not, like, uh, stuck in the hospital or anything anymore. So that's a good thing. None of my family members are stuck in the hospital anymore. So that's an even better thing. Um, and then throughout the last uh, however long it's been, we've also had some extraordinarily exciting news on the business front that actually will affect you guys. This is actually good news that I think will benefit not just the J.D. Rucker show, not just me personally, but also I think many of you as well as, well, America, you know, <laughs> I don't want to have any delusions of grandeur and, and say, oh my gosh, this is going to be such a great thing for America. But I really think it is going to actually be such a great thing for America. Uh, first and foremost, we're so blessed to be working with WWCR, to be working with uh, BBS Radio, two incredible organizations that have been extraordinarily patient with us through this, uh, through this crazy time of reruns. I hate running reruns. You know, those who listen to my show before, you're very well aware that I try to stay as pretty much as up to date as, as possible, as up to the minute as possible. As the editor over at thelibertydaily.com, we, we try to do everything we can to make sure that stories pop up within seconds sometimes, at least within minutes of breaking, you know, it's, we're scrambling. Uh, Matthew Burke, the owner at the Liberty Daily, and I sometimes, we're, we're going back and forth via phone or via uh, instant messenger or whatever, and, and just, just trying to grab the stories that make the most sense to be up at the top, to be up at the headline section. And it's important because, again, you know, this is a site that gets about 10 million visitors a month. So being able to to get the, the truth out to the people with so few truth tellers in media today, it's uh, I, I take it as a responsibility. It's not just a job. It's not just, you know, a, a hobby. This is something that I believe is is beneficial, again, to the United States of America and to Americans in general, even if they hate us. We get a lot of hate. I mean, people that, that absolutely despise us, we're still fighting for their benefit, even if they, they don't want it, even if they believe that we have too many freedoms, even if they believe that, that the things that are going on in the world are somehow benefiting them. You know, we do get, I don't know, I don't want to say depressed, but it is, it can get discouraging sometimes. We look around and we see, we see this nation, this nation that so many of us just absolutely love and adore. I think I have a, not a unique perspective, but a perhaps a different perspective from a lot of my listeners. Because you know, for those who don't know, I am a legal immigrant. I came to this nation, granted, as a as a child. This is the only nation that I've I've ever known. But I was not born here. You know, my mother my mother uh, was is from the Philippines, and my father was was in the in the U.S. Air Force. Obviously, they met, and I was the result. And then I was brought to the United States, and have been so blessed to be a citizen here but that that blessing comes with a a, uh, a i guess you could say a sense of humility knowing that the, we did win we won the the life lottery so to speak if you're here in the united states of america legally then then you won you could have been 
born anywhere. You could have been you know, living under socialism, living under tyranny, but you're here. And I think that far too many Americans today do not consider that to be a blessing. They wish that they were in Gaza right now. You know, if only they knew the, the, what would actually be happening to them. They wish that they were in Venezuela or China or North Korea or anywhere else. I shouldn't even pick the places that are obviously harsh. I mean, they, they wish they were in Europe. And yet even those in Europe often look around and, and say, wow, what's happening to our nation? What's happening to our, our continent? What's happening to the EU? What's happening to, to life here? We say it too. And we do get, get a bit, uh, I guess discouraged when we see all the shenanigans that are happening, the crimes, the people that, that just don't seem to care. It's almost as if this nation is on the verge of, of going into, to palliative care, right? We, we're, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to consider the possibility that the United States of America could at some point in the future, or even really the near future, cease to exist, at least in its current iteration. That's possible. And we can't take that for granted. So I do consider it to be a wonderful blessing to not just be here, but to be talking to you guys. And I don't want to be Mr. Debbie Downer to start, but <laughs> it's been, I'll admit, it's been an emotional roller coaster for the past couple of weeks. Again, just a strange mixture of really uh, hard times uh, from a medical perspective on top of really amazing things that are happening from a business perspective, a, I guess you could say a mission perspective and i'll be able to reveal a lot more of that during later shows you can call in live and talk to me and, and give me your opinion about the what two dozen stories i've got to talk about today call in at 888-627-6008 that's 888-627-6008 and if you can convince my wonderful screeners that you're not crazy uh, or at least not not going to do anything dumb then hey, we'll get you on the air, and and we'll we'll talk. So there's a story that it I mean caught my attention because at first you know I read through these feeds and there's literally anywhere from 1500 to, to 2500 headlines that I read on a daily basis, and the story caught my attention because at first I thought maybe it was it had to be like uh, I don't know satire or or fake news or something, and I saw that it was coming from uh, Jordan Schachtel over at The Dossier, where you can find his work at dossier.today, no.com, just dossier.today. It was titled, Journalists or Jihadists, Employees of American News Agencies Were Embedded in Plain Clothes with Hamas During October 7 Massacre. I thought, my gosh, like that, that could possibly be, and of course, now today in 2023, it shouldn't shock any of us. It really shouldn't. It should not be a surprise at all to find out that media is complicit and directly involved, especially corporate media, complicit and directly involved in so many of these bad things that are happening. Before I get to the story, uh, there was, I forgot who it was, the, the gentleman's name, but uh, there was, I won't be getting to the story today, but it was pretty shocking when you saw helicopters, media helicopters flying over the site of an FBI raid. And keep in mind, they were watching it live. And most importantly, they were watching it from the beginning. In other words, the FBI, as they were preparing to do an armed, you know, massive raid of a January 6th political opponent is basically what those they were. 
They had the media there. They told corporate media, hey, we're going to be raiding this guy. Here's the address. We're going to be serving a warrant and, and arresting him. And so, so why don't you bring the crew out there? You know, I think we all saw, what well, was it a few years ago when, when that happened to Roger Stone? CNN is broadcasting at 4 a.m. or whatever, right in front of Roger Stone's house as the FBI was, was raiding him. You know, again, armed men, people like Roger Stone or anybody from J6, they get more of a, an armed response from law enforcement than people that are known to be violent, people that are known to be, to be, uh, threats to society. And there's, that's done for a reason. It's done for effect. They're trying to intimidate you. They're trying to intimidate all of us. Anybody who might be patriotic, anybody who might love America, anybody who might be, you know, somebody that, that could have been there, maybe wish they were there during January 6th or, or wish that they were there for, for any of these events that they don't want us to go to. Well, they want to intimidate you. And let's, let's call it what it is. I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. It's working. So many of us. So many of us have avoided going to rallies, going to events where, oh, you know, I, I always hear that, oh, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of undercover FBI there, so we shouldn't go. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's kind of dumb. If you think about it, it's like, okay, so, so they're, they're proving to us, hey, you know, we're going to be at all your events, so you guys shouldn't have these events. You know, we're going to be at all these protests and we're going to be coming after you like we came after all these people from January 6th. So you might as well just not even, not even protest. Don't, don't even get involved. You know, you, you should be, be watching your own back. Don't, don't let the, the crazy MAGA people tell you what to do. Don't let any of those, those crazy journalists tell you what to do. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to send you the wrong way. And that's the message. Well, what is the message here in the story from, uh, again, from Jordan Schachter? What's, what's the message about? about journalists being embedded with the terrorists. Again, apparently with foreknowledge, obviously, they wouldn't be there if they, if they didn't have foreknowledge. Foreknowledge of a terrorist attack against Israel that resulted in kidnappings, beatings, rapes, and, of course, murders. And there are people who are suffering. And, and I don't want to get the whole, yeah, but now now it's, it's the innocent Gazan people that are suffering. I don't want to hear that. Okay, I know it's true. I mean, but I don't want to hear hear anything about how oh, you know, this is they're they're being too harsh. Not today. I don't want to hear it today. Unless you, I mean, if you want to talk about it, great. I would actually wouldn't mind debating somebody about that topic because it bugs me to death. And if you want to debate about that, ask that question. Call me at eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. But but here's the thing: there is no equivalence here. It's false. If you believe that what's happening today in Gaza, the military operation to try to eliminate, completely eliminate Hamas, if you think that that would have happened, oh, no, they totally would have done that if it wasn't for the terrorist attacks, that, well, you're wrong. If you think, oh, my gosh, you know, they're taking, it's overkill. They, they only they only killed or kidnapped or raped, you know, a, a thousand or a couple thousand Israelis. Why are they going after so many people from from Gaza, so many people from Hamas? I, it's it sickens me. It sickens me to think that there are so many people, not just Americans, but across the world, that don't that, that that think this is a an equivalence thing. That think that oh, you know, there has to be an equal measure, 
an equal measure of justice. You know, uh, I didn't hear the same people saying, oh, you know, they have to kill exactly only only 3000 people in Iraq or the Middle East because of because of 9-11. You know, no, they, at least in the beginning, uh, everybody has selective memory, uh, apparently. But at least in the beginning of the Iraq war, which never should have happened, the vast majority of Americans wanted blood. Vast majority of Americans wanted vengeance. This wasn't about, oh, let's just go out and get Osama bin Laden. No, they, they wanted terrorists killed. And they didn't want a specific number. They just wanted them all killed. Now, Israel's going through basically the same thing. And I, I'm not justifying it, by the way. I want to be clear about that. I'm not trying to justify, oh, you know, since Israel got attacked, they should go destroy Gaza. That's not what I'm saying by any means. But I don't want to hear about oh it's it's got to be an exactly equal measure otherwise it's it's overkill no that's that's you you got to do what you got to do to protect your people you've got to do what you've got to do to protect your people period so this article which again I thought was satire by Jordan Schachtel I thought it was based on the headline but then I read and it's like holy crap this is real uh, and as he posts, honest reporting is out with an absolute bombshell of a story revealing today that Gaza-based employees of the Associated Press and Reuters, who also do contract work for CNN and the New York Times, were embedded with Hamas during their killing spree, during their killing spree across southern Israel. The report asks many compelling questions. What were they doing there so early on? on what would ordinarily be have been a uh, quiet Saturday morning. Was it coordinated with Hamas? In other words, was media told, hey, it's Hamas. Why don't you guys come down and, uh, and uh, you know, you can get some pictures and videos of us, us kidnapping, beating, raping, and murdering Israelis. Did the respectable wire services, which publish their photos, approve of their presence inside enemy territory together with the terrorist infiltrators. Did photojournalists who freelance for their other media like CNN and the New York Times notify these outlets? Judging from the pictures of lynching, kidnapping, and storming of an Israeli kibbutz, it seems like the border has been breached not only physically but also journalistically. I like how they worded that. It's been, been breached journalistically. If I wish this was on video because there's a um, a very telling image. You've got the Hamas terrorist on one of those motorcycles. We've all seen the videos of them even shot from the motorcycles themselves coming across the border and into the kibbutzes. And you've got this video or this I'm sorry picture of the uh, the terrorist with it's two terrorists and sandwiched in between them is what appears to be an elderly Israeli. Uh, woman who's being kidnapped and right next to them <laughs> they're waving by the way the terrorists are waving and who are they waving at they're waving at two journalists these are ap photographers who were there during the the terrorist attack and we're not saying i'm not talking about like from a distance like oh they're they're out there they these guys are in full well at least one of them has a helmet on he's got body armor and he's about well, about 12, 14 feet away from uh, from the terrorist. Then you got this other guy, also a photojournalist. He's got his nice fancy camera, and he's right there, like he could touch the terrorists if he wasn't taking their picture right now. 
Other terrorists are seen in the background, just, just hanging out. And again, this was during, during the October 7th attacks by Hamas on Israel. How is that even possible, you might ask? Let's continue with the story. The report even documents that one of the men, Hassan Ezlaya, uh, who works for AP and CNN, works for them, deleted evidence of his involvement in the assault in which Ezlaya was dressed in plain clothes. On Twitter, a photo surfaced uh, of Ezlaya embracing uh, Yahya Sinwar, the highest-ranking Hamas official in Gaza. And again, if you can see this image, when we're talking about embrace, he's kissing him, okay? He's literally, he's kissing him. Not like, I mean, in a, in a bad way. I mean, they're, they're just posing for a selfie. But obviously, they, uh, they know each other. Obviously, they are very close. And obviously, he didn't go, he wasn't there taking pictures again, working for CNN and the Associated Press. He didn't go there taking pictures for them, you know, with the assumption, oh, hey, it's going to be a, be a sunny, fun day over, over in Israel. And maybe he was thinking that, but maybe he was thinking that because he knew that there was going to be a terrorist attack. Sinwar has been convicted of committing several murders and acts of terrorism. That's the, the person that's getting kissed and, and having a selfie with the AP journalist. Back to the article, while Reuters is based in London, the Associated Press, CNN, and the New York Times are all headquartered in the United States, where it is illegal to provide material support to Hamas because the jihadist group is listed as a foreign terrorist organization. The AP, for its part, has uh, long had disturbingly cozy ties with Hamas in Gaza, having once shared an office space with the intelligence services of the jihadi group. Israeli forces demolished the building in 2021, sparking outrage with the usual suspects in the corporate media. I remember when that story came out, and it's funny because they, the way that it was positioned in corporate media was that Israel was attacking the Associated Press. The Associated Press was screaming, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they want, they, they wanted us out of the building and then they, they, they attacked us. They destroyed the building and this is so horrible. You know, they, this was free speech, where's free press. You know, they, they don't want you guys seeing this stuff. And then the report came out. Oh yeah. By the way, you guys knowingly were operating in a building that was used for like, not just had terrorists in it. It was specifically used for terrorism. And then old reports popped up where you've got literally AP journalists like looking out their window, <laughs> taking videos and pictures of, of rockets being fired from their building into Israel. So they, they just conveniently forgot to, to mention that part that, that they shared a, a headquarters with Hamas itself. But hey, you know, I mean, details, right? It's just, just minor details. Uh, now it's certainly uh, worth wondering whether these corporate media outfits could be implicated in a congressional and or criminal investigation into the activities of their paid staffers and contractors in Gaza. And on that final note from Jordan Schachtel, good guy, I would consider him a friend. Yeah, it's funny. I've never actually spoken to him. I've known him for years now, uh, dating back to when he was like the the social media guy for if I recall, it was for conservative review just before uh, the blaze bought them out. Um, 
he was he would contact me for hey you know social media posts and stuff like that it was fun but then once he started going out on his own and doing his own journalism it's like holy cow this guy's like super talented he's wicked smart he's got journalistic chops and uh, he's got a, a great a great nose for a story and this is just another example but i will disagree he's wondering if these uh if these corporate media outfits could be implicated in a congressional and or criminal investigation no, no, that that ain't going to happen. Yeah, I, I hate to be so cynical when it comes to politics, when it comes to criminal justice. But he would have had a much, an exponentially, not he, uh, they, these journalists, would have had an exponentially higher chance of being arrested or investigated by Congress or, or law enforcement, you know, if they had been walking around the Capitol grounds on January 6th. Oh, that would be the, the police. Everybody, Congress would be all over him, you know, whereas a journalist literally walking with a terrorist documenting their terrorism live as it's happening. Of course, there's not going to be any repercussions against them. There's not going to be any congressional investigations into what CNN or Associated Press or anybody else does. There's not going to be any, any questions asked by law enforcement about whether or not these so-called journalists were participating in offering material support for Hamas in the midst of a hideous terrorist attack. No, that is not going to happen. 888-627-6008. That's 888-627-6008. You know, some of the good news that I've gotten over this last couple of weeks is that the main sponsor for this show has uh, has been, let's just say, expanding. And it's been a good thing because for those who don't know, obviously, uh, we love Genesis Gold Group. They are a Christian precious metals company that that specializes in retirement accounts and things have been, they've been really growing, growing at a pace that where we can say now officially that we are one of the fastest growing precious metals companies in the United States of America. And that's saying a lot because this is not an industry that is very kind. Okay. For those who aren't very familiar with how the precious metals industry works, you've got what, what I like to call big gold. It's kind of like big pharma, right? Or, or big, big tech. It's big gold. You've got you've a handful of companies at the top, and they literally all just hang out of the country close together. And, you know, the owners of these these companies they're they're all buddies. They're all friends. They're competitors out in the out in the uh, retail world, but but deep down, you know, when they're when you're just talking about them, the individuals, they're all just hanging out, you know, playing golf. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not I'm not going to sound like a socialist here, saying, oh, I'm against these people having being in the country club. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that they, big gold has a tendency to use the same techniques, the same tactics as each other because they know it works. And these tactics, generally speaking, are not, we'll say the most beneficial for American uh, retirees, people that are concerned about the economy. At Genesis Gold Group, we are concerned, extraordinarily concerned about how people are treated. That's why we focus on answering questions, educating people, customer service, which has given us a five out of five rating with the Better Business Bureau. If you are concerned about the future, about the economy, about your personal finances, about your life's savings, then go to jdrgold.com. That's jdrgold.com. 
and fill out the form, or you can always call them at 800 200 4653. That's 800 200 Gold. And check out Genesis Gold Group today. And I do have some news about them, by the way. Uh, that's again, we'll, we'll be uh, talking about it more in the days and weeks to come. It's something that I'm going to be doing like a, a slow rollout. There's not going to be some major announcement. Eh, maybe there will be. We'll see. We're still trying to sort it all out. Uh, but it's, it's looking, it's looking pretty darn good. So for those who were, uh, watching last night, um, Wednesday night's GOP debate, I laugh at you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I know some of you probably did watch it. Not many people watched it. I know that, but there were some people that watched the Republican debate to see who will come in second place for the, the Republican nominee for president. I think at this stage, it's ludicrous, ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous for anybody to say that the nominee will not be Donald Trump, unless, of course, the deep state intervenes and prevents him from being the nominee. I think that's the strategy. So if you you put a bug in uh, in the strategy sessions for the Ron DeSantis campaign or the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign or the Nikki Haley campaign or Tim Scott or whoever else is running, Chris Christie, well, his is a different scenario. <laughs> He's just out there getting paid to attack Trump. But the other four that are, I guess you could say they're the closest to being competitive against Trump. You know, you put a you put a microphone in their strategy sessions with their campaigns, and all of them are saying, "Okay, so we have to be we have to position ourselves so that we can hop in there if Trump is is convicted, because that's it. And that's the only strategy." Nobody's thinking, okay, here's what we've got to do to make up 30 points. Here's what we got to do to jump ahead, you know, 40 points in Iowa to somehow, somehow get everybody else's vote plus some of Trump's votes because he's already over 50%. That is the strategy, folks. You cannot convince me otherwise. Nobody's even in the DeSantis campaign. Nobody in the DeSantis campaign is trying to figure out how do we catch up to Donald Trump. That's not part of the plan, period. And if you believe that, no offense, you're deluded. Because the numbers, you know, I'm not a fan of polls, but let's face it, polls do give you a a general idea. You know, it would be different. Look, if he was down 20 points, I'd be like, huh, maybe they are going to try to bridge the gap. But no, when you're down in some polls by over 40 points, and at least 30 points in just about all the polls, when you're down by that much, you have to acknowledge that the strategy is not how do we catch up to Donald Trump. The strategy in all these camps is how do we, how do we position ourselves as the go-to once if Trump gets convicted. That's it. And that's the entire strategy. So that's why I haven't been watching the debates. But I did see there was one amazing clip of uh, apparently there's a few, but I I can only stomach one before it's like, wow, this is a waste of time. But, hey, that was pretty killer. There was one amazing clip of Vivek Ramaswamy just going after pretty much everybody, just spitting fire, totally based and uh, going after the host. If and I'm not going to play it now, but but if you. uh, if you want to be entertained, it's a minute and 41 seconds. Just look it up, Vivek Ramaswamy's opening statement. Otherwise, I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't watched any of the debates. 
but and I try to get the, uh, I guess you could say the play-by-play or whatever, the recap. There we go. I try to get the recap afterwards. I didn't even, I had a hard time even doing that. Okay. It's just, again, this is pointless. Because, and, and here's the important thing to keep in mind. It's not just pointless because obviously I don't think that any of them have a chance of beating Donald Trump. It's pointless because if the deep state takes Trump out, then we're already, we're, we're already doomed. Okay. I mentioned America being potentially on the verge of palliative care. That's, that's where we are. Okay. If the, if the, if they prevent Donald Trump from running, I'm not saying if he loses fair and square in 2025, I'm sorry, 2024, I'm not saying that we're done. If that's the case, we probably are, but, but I don't even want to think about that concept. But if they prevent him completely from being able to run, if they use the 14th amendment, as they're trying to do in so many of these states, if they say, oh, you know, he's convicted of this crime and this crime and this crime and this crime and this crime, they say, oh my gosh, there's, you, we're just, there's no way Donald Trump is not allowed to run for president. If he is prevented from running, or let's say the RNC does some shenanigans at the convention and that tries to nominate someone else. If that happens, then the turmoil that will erupt from that, the rebellion, it will be the end of the nation. You know, people often talk about civil war. Oh, you know, we're, we got to be ready for civil war. I was just talking to somebody from, um, I better not say who, but I was talking to a, uh, an owner of an extraordinarily very popular conservative website yesterday. And we were talking about, you know, some, some of the ideas of, of how to move forward. Right. And it was, uh, it was good, but it was important to note that we're not looking at a civil war. We both agree. This isn't, this wouldn't be like uh North versus South or even, even uh, uh you know, localized civil wars where it's, it's this group versus that group. This would be really truly a revolutionary war because our nation, even though our government is our government, it's not the British government, it's our government, but they essentially would become like the British government. If, if our own quote unquote leaders, and I prefer to think of them as representatives, if they started to go against the constitution, and I should start it. That's a laugh. That was a joke. Sorry. If they, if they went so far against the constitution that it essentially was meaningless, if they went so far against the people that they could no longer be trusted, which is pretty much where we're at today, if all these things continue to happen, then there will almost certainly be a revolutionary war or less, at least an attempt to have an uprising. Now the question is whether or not it could sustain, could it work? You know, they always, the, the, especially the gun control advocates, they always go out there and say, Oh, what are you going to do? You're going to use your AR 15 against an F 18. You know, is that what your plan is? Well, number one, yeah, I think a lot of people do have that plan, but number two, yeah, it, it shouldn't come to that. You know, this is not the type of scenario where these big massive weapons, these, these, you know, they're, Air, air, using aircraft carriers against New York City, for example, these aren't scenarios that would actually play out. Lord willing, they would not play out. What would play out would be conflicts within the heartland, conflicts within cities, conflicts between, you know, a militarized police and citizens that want to be free or, or even citizens that don't care about freedom that are just trying to riot or loot or, or do, you know, becoming raving bands of marauders trying to take what they can. Martial law, absolute chaos, societal collapse. These are all things 
that could possibly happen. And by golly, I'm not hoping for it. I hope nobody takes that that uh, <laughs> takes that as a uh, a takeaway from what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I want revolution. I'm saying that we might get one either way. I'm not saying that I want this internal war or civil war, as a lot of people will call it. I don't want that at all. But I don't think it's it's a stretch to say that it's possible. I don't think it's a stretch to say that it could come at us even if we don't go after it. So, yeah, be ready. Be, be as ready as you can be because uh, those days may be coming. So, yeah, he did go out with Vivek Ramaswamy. And to be clear, I'm not a very big fan of Vivek Ramaswamy, um, even though I like about 80, 90% of what he says. But I'm not a fan of his, and I don't trust him. I don't think that what he's saying is real. I think that he's he looked at Trump's playbook, figured out how to how to make it sound better, and, and he's an extra, extraordinary orator. That's it. That's it. I, mean, I don't think this guy is, is sincere. I mean, he's. I would say that he's probably the least sincere on the entire stage, uh, on the the five candidates that were on the debate stage, and that's saying a lot. I mean, you got you got Chris Christie in the mix <laughs> to say that that Vivek Ramaswamy may, may be less sincere than Chris Christie. Wow, that's like uh, that's that's crazy talk. But that's how I feel. You know, I don't trust him. I like what he. I like a lot of what he says. I don't think that he's actually meaning any of it. I think he really is just using using this this fame, this 15 minutes of fame as a launching path for whatever's next. And whatever's next could be, who knows, a cabinet position with Trump. It could be, you know, a, another business that may or may not fail because he hasn't had a whole lot of success there. Yes, he's rich, but he's had some pretty massive uh, failures along the way, right? Is he a Soros-backed puppet? I would. I don't believe so. I know that's a, the argument that a lot of people make because he had involvement with like a scholarship fund. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm being delusional. But look, I've seen enough real conspiracies, especially as it pertains to people like George Soros, Alex Soros, WEF, Klaus Schwab, Council for Inclusive Capitalism. I look into all this stuff, and Vivek Ramaswamy may be a plant, but I would give it less than 50% chance. I'm not saying it's a slim, slim chance. Oh, it's 1% chance. No, it's more like probably a 30% chance that he is a plant, that he is controlled by Soros. That's a lot. That's not worth risking. I don't think I would vote for him for president. I know I wouldn't vote for him for in the primaries. I wouldn't vote for him for president unless he was going against you know Joe Biden. I think I would almost even rather look at RFK Jr., who uh, I like RFK Jr., but there's, in, there's a lot of glaring problems. If anybody ever... Uh, look back, I think it was, uh, what, what year was it? It wasn't too long ago when he's trying to push, push the Green New Deal or a variation of the Green New Deal. He's all complimentary of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, but even in the midst of his compliments, he was saying, yeah, you know, but it needs to be more market-based corp, uh, carbon taxes. Again, this was not very long ago. And then you could also go back a few years before when he's really basically, uh, pushing Barack Obama. Uh, he's campaigning on behalf of Barack Obama, you know, so that type of judgment, yeah, I just, I'm not going to buy into it, but we might not have a choice. What if our choice was between Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom or whoever, Michelle Obama, it's either them or it's Vivek Ramaswamy or it's RFK Jr. I don't, I guess I just wouldn't vote. 
because they all have glaring challenges. People might say, oh, yeah, but at least Vivek is is uh, saying the right things. He's sounding mega. Well, yeah, that's easy, especially when you're as talented as he is. But if he is a Soros-backed shill, if he is a, uh, is a, a plant, then he may be worse than even an RFK Jr. or a Gavin Newsom. I doubt it, but you never know. You never know. I don't these the whole geopolitical thing right now is is very much in flux. At least that's what we're supposed to be believing. That's what we're being led to believe. Eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. Give me a call and we'll talk. There's, it's funny, I didn't intend this. I'm laying out my stories uh, last night, getting ready, you know, to, to come back on, hope, trying to, taking the lozenges, trying to keep my voice straight, you know, dealing with the family, making sure that they've got everything that they need. Um, it's been, it's been a rough couple of days, but I'm getting all the stories together. I did not intend for it to be just rapid fire, crazy bad news, crazy bad news, crazy bad news. But hey, since we're here. <laughs> This story comes from Max Slavo at SHTF Plan. Worldwide digital IDs will be required to participate in society by 2030. Huh. That sucks. It does suck. And that 2030 date is so, so very important. And it's not just because of Agenda 2030. You know, I think I was, what show was I on? I think it was on Clay Clark's show the other day when I told him. It's funny because he kind of glazed over. Or is he didn't I don't know if he caught on to what I was saying because I've mentioned it to other show hosts in the past it's always blown their mind and, and this time I don't know if I don't know if Clay was uh, heard me right but it does seem conspicuous that uh, King David Israel's King David he died in 970 AD okay which is exactly you know 2000 years after 970 AD is uh, well, sorry, I'm sorry, 3,000 years, I should say. 3,000 years after 970 AD, you've got 2030. I mean, we're not, people say, oh, you know, the math is wrong. Don't forget, there is no year zero. So between AD, between BC and AD, and I said 970 AD, I meant BC. Let's, let's get all my dates correct. So from 970 BC until 2030 AD is exactly 3,000 years. And I don't know if anything happened in 1030. Um, I've been asked actually by somebody to try to investigate that, see if there was anything. Maybe it didn't make the history books. Maybe it did, and we just didn't didn't see it. Who knows? But I've got to look into that. But we do know that something may have happened in the year 30 AD, which would have been exactly 1,000 years after the death of David, and it would have been exactly 2,000 years um, before 2030 AD. And that, of course, could be. Nobody has the definitive date, but that very, there's a very good chance that, that 30 AD is the year that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected based upon the idea, the concept of his, uh, birth that p- people believe. A lot of archaeologists, scientists, whoever, Bible scholars, historians, they look at uh, right around 4 AD is a time when he was born, at least, you know, in a, in a worldly fashion, which would put it at sometime between 20, 29 and 30 AD, somewhere in that range is to the point of his death. And then, of course, his resurrection three days later. Interesting stuff, right? 
point is, is that 2030, for whatever reason, has become a focal point. Not just, and it's not just conspiracy theorists, like the actual conspirators, the people that are behind these conspiracies, they've been pointing to 2030 for a long time. And that should be of concern to you. So according to the story from SHTF Plan, and you can always find these stories over at discernreport.com. If you ever want to, I don't want to bounce people around to the various websites. All the stories that I talk about, you'll be able to find them in some form or fashion at discernreport.com. So according to the article, with the help from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation, there's two, two swell companies, swell organizations. The United Nations has grandiose plans to enslave every human being on the planet for 20, uh, by 2030 permanently. The rollout of worldwide digital IDs is happening right now and will come with a cashless, fully digital payment system and the complete destruction of the illusion of freedom. I like how he worded that. We don't actually have freedoms today. We only have the illusion of freedom. They make you think that you can do stuff. They allow it to happen. And if you're... If there's something that they can prevent you from doing at any moment, that means it's not a it's not a true freedom. Okay, freedom means that you are free to do it, not that you are allowed to do it. If you have to ask for permission to speak, you're not free to speak. That's not free speech. If they can stop you from speaking based upon something that is that is, uh, if you're speaking lawfully and they can still stop you, that is not free speech. If they can tell the media what they can and cannot run, even if they give permission, that's not freedom of the press. And the most important part, if they can tell you who, what, and how to worship, that is not freedom of religion. I don't care if they allow you to do it. They allow you to pray to God, that is not freedom. You should be able to pray to God as a God-given right. But anyway, I digress. I'm just just pointing out the, the very appropriate wording used by Max Slavo over at Reclaim the Net. So on Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, which is yesterday, huh, a virtual launch event is scheduled, was scheduled, I should say, to take place for what uh, is termed the five, 50 in 5 agenda, 50 in 5. The United Nations, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the partners of the Rockefeller Foundation are launching the campaign to accelerate digital ID, digital payments, and data sharing rollouts in 50 countries under the umbrella of Digital Public Infrastructure, DPI, uh, by 2028, according to the report by the Daily Expose. You know, before I go on, it is important to know, we, we have seen, we always point to 2030, but what I've seen is there's a lot of little milestone dates in between. They have things planned in two years in particular, well, three years, I should say. They have stuff planned very, very clearly and openly planned for 2024, obviously, with the elections. They have plans set for 2026, and they've got plans set for 2028. These plans such as the one that I'm describing now, these various components of the depopulation and control agenda, they do seem to be all aligned. Now, that's not to say, hey, you know, it's every even year, so you don't have to worry about anything going wrong in 2025, 2027, or 2029. No, I think there's there's more other things that are going on. If anything, those are, I guess, the more secretive years. It's like they come out publicly with this in the even years, and they come out privately with something else, in the uh, odd years, I don't know uh, that that part. I'm not not too concerned about. The point is, is that they are coming after us, and 2028 seems to be one of those pivotal years. 
back to the article. The United Nations Developed Program, uh, I'm sorry, the United Nations Development Program, the UNDP, has announced plans to roll out digital IDs worldwide by the end of 2030, and they will be mandatory for people who wish to participate in in society. This is according to Reclaim the Net. And anybody who does not go to reclaimthenet.org on a regular basis, you're missing it. These guys are often first, okay? Sometimes they, they pick up stories from, you know, Associated Press or whatever, and they, they do further investigation. But a lot of times they're getting the news out first. They pull a lot from, from some of the uh, worldwide and European uh, networks out there. And those ones are often more willing to speak, um, truthfully about such things because they are, they have basically, they have more control over the people. So they don't fear the people enough. Here, a lot of times they won't put out news out of fear of repercussions from the people. So one, one advantage we still have here in the uh, in the dying United States of America, but let's let's make sure to to keep that one. Uh, in preparation, back to the article. In preparation for this permanent digital slavery agenda, months of preparation and a budget of approximately six point eight million dollars have been set aside for the launch of this biometric supported digital ID mechanism. Moral human beings have begun questioning not just a digital ID system, but a system in which a ruling class crushes everyone underneath it. It could stall or make it impossible to enslave humanity once the uh, beings finally figure out that they are slaves. Us. Unfortunately, realizing that we are slaves is the first step to freedom, uh, to breaking free, and it's the hardest step. I want to stop there for a second, and I want you guys to think about that. Taking away freedom isn't, I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as, oh, if we're, we're not free, you know, uh, if they're going to take away freedom, that, that means they're going to put us in jail or restrict us to our homes or put us physically in shackles or, you know, something like that. And that's, that's just not the case, folks. Our freedoms can be controlled a thousand different ways. Our freedoms can be withheld a thousand different ways. You don't have to be put behind bars to have your freedoms taken away. What if, just as an example, what if there's a central bank digital currency that's rolled out and you've got all these people because, again, the majority of Americans will be in favor of of uh, central bank digital currencies, the digital dollar or whatever it's going to be called. Once it's rolled out, a majority of Americans will favor it because it'll be sold as something that's positive. It'll be sold as, hey, you never have to worry about being being robbed again. Hey, you never have to worry about losing your wallet again. Hey, you know, it's all tied to this, that, or the other. It's all secure. It's all, you know, yada, yada, yada. People will buy into that, right? And some people will be like, hey, you know what? I don't buy into it, but I don't have a choice, so I'm going to embrace it. We're going to make the best out of it. I would say maybe a... Uh, a, a large minority of people will feel that way. So you're going to have there's the, those of us who are against central bank digital currencies. We're not just fighting the central banks. We're not just fighting the governments. We're fighting majority of the people around us. They're going to be, be all backing this as well. But what they don't realize is that when the time comes for government to withhold freedoms, that particular digital leash, that financial leash, is the one that they will yank on. And people will figure out very quickly, no matter how prepared they think they are, they're not prepared for that. And I'm not talking about the people that are going off grid, the people that are becoming self-sufficient. I strongly recommend that. 
obviously. Be as self-sufficient as possible. Be off-grid as much as possible. Hopefully you're listening to me on shortwave because you've already taken the steps to be off-grid. You've already taken the steps to be prepared. And now, you know, you're, you're good. Now you're just trying to, trying to get to that next step. Or maybe you're, you're so good off, you're so well off that you don't have to take any more steps. That would be awesome. Praise God for that. But for most of us, we are still taking steps. And that includes being as prepared as possible to not be beholden to anyone, whether it's government or corporations or, or demons or whoever, after even our own peers. People will embrace this concept. They will embrace digital IDs. And they will do everything they can to make us do the same. If you think you you think the people are went crazy over the masks, okay? Just wait until they start going crazy over digital ID, central bank digital currencies, you know, law and order through through uh, direct control. You know, if you oh you're not a good a good woke citizen, well you have no more money. Oh you're not a good woke citizen. Oh you can't travel here. You can't do that. all of this is in the works. I'm praise God that I, that most of you, I would say nearly all of you are already aware of that. So I'm not, I am preaching to the, the, uh, the choir in that regard. But if you know people, you know, that, that aren't aware, that don't believe it, this isn't one of those snares where you say, Hey, that's on them. It's not. I mean, it is, but it's, it's actually, it is definitely on them, but we can't just give up. Not when we have an opportunity. If you've got somebody that you can convince, hey, this is really happening, then keep trying to convince them. Don't just give up and say, well, I gave it a shot. I told him the world was going to end. He's going to be really sorry because he didn't listen to me. I told him that things were going to get crazy. That they were trying to, to engage in a depopulation and control agenda, but he didn't believe me. No, you got to keep pushing harder than that. We're going to need allies. Okay. I don't care how patriotic somebody is. If they, are being controlled through food, through energy, through money, the, the, the Henry Kissinger's trifecta. If they're being controlled in that regard, they can be super patriotic, ultra conservative, you know, ready to do whatever it takes to defend the nation. But all of a sudden, they are standing in line waiting to get their cricket burgers with the remnant of their CBDCs that they're only allowed to have because they they didn't get out of line on social media they didn't they they didn't get out of line with their when their coworkers were saying things they turned in their neighbor because their neighbor had the gall to say hey i don't i don't think i like any of this stuff what do you think john you're a patriot then john goes and runs off and tells the gestapo i found one you know put put five more digital dollars into my account cuz i i'm turning in my neighbor if you don't think that's going to happen then well, you're wrong. And I don't, keep in mind, I don't want to sound like I'm not prof- trying to be prophetic or say, oh, this is definitely going to happen. It's very likely to happen. The only thing that could prevent it from happening is, of course, if God intervenes, because that's the trajectory of our nation. That's why I say, you know, I, I get, I get very, uh, what's the word for it? I get annoyed. We'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a PG today. I get very annoyed when people say, you know, that stuff could never happen. And you know what, folks? Here's a little secret. I was that guy. I was the guy just a few years ago. We're not talking like like decades and decades ago. I would say within the last, it was during the Obama years that I finally started thinking, huh, 
you know what? Maybe these conspiracies are true. You know what? Maybe maybe George W. Bush really wasn't really wasn't uh, doing what he thought was best for America. Maybe he really wasn't in charge. Maybe you know that was when I started realizing, holy cow, what is this? What is this World Economic Forum? What is that? <laughs> Who is Klaus Schwab? Is Bill Gates is a bad guy? What? You mean the Microsoft geek is trying to kill us all? You know, these are all things that I, I have not been. Uh, I'm, I'm not Alex Jones. I'm not Mark Dice. I'm not these guys that have been been screaming about conspiracies for for decades. I'm new to the game. I'm new, but now I've got to scream as loud as I can because people need to know. And that's the one area where I disagree with a lot of quote unquote conspiracy theorists or political analysts or fringe media people. A lot of them say, hey, you know, you just got to tell people to move on. No, I think that we need allies. I really, really do. I think that we need to convince as many of our friends and relatives and peers and neighbors as possible that things are are going south. They don't have to buy into the whole thing. Okay, you don't have to go. Oh, it's either they believe in in all this crazy stuff or they're they're sheep. No, just get them prepared, get them ready. It behooves you. Gosh, I, I hate to tell this story. This is an awful story, and I'm not going to because it's an awful story. Uh, maybe someday I'll tell this. If if anybody wants to call in and uh, remind me, not today, but remind me in a future day when I've got more guts to tell the story about the rabbits. Uh, tell me about the rabbits, George. No, about the rabbits on the island and the silver and the a, a good buddy of mine, former good buddy of mine. Remind me of that. Just just rabbits on the island. That's the story to tell that I should tell you guys, but not today. Um, if you do want to reach out, go to eight or call. Don't no, go to. It's not a website. <laughs> call eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. That's eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. We didn't get a caller in the first hour. I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in in you all for not calling. It's crazy. Now, I understand. It's been, again, um, your patience has been so wonderful because one of the things that we need to be able to do to build an audience is to be consistent. And let's face it, I've been on rerun mode for, for about two weeks now. So I don't feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, the audience should have been sitting there waiting for me the entire time. I know we've got to build back trust. We've got to build back Build back better. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I know we've got to build up our our uh, listener base here on WWCR, and I appreciate that uh, that we have this tremendous opportunity. Hopefully, hopefully I won't blow it. But in the meantime, we do need to get callers. We do need to get some of the uh, more of these stories out there. So that's why I'll be here every morning, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. PM. Sorry, 5. A.M. Gosh, I got to get my A.D. B.C. A.M. P.M. I got to get my time straight. 5 a.m. Pacific or 8 a.m. Eastern. You can listen to us on WWCR. And uh, we'll try to get get the truth out there. One last shout out real quick before we go to a minor, very short break for station identification. The, uh, The good folks at Genesis Gold Group aren't just... Your average gold people. Okay. You, if anybody who's ever contacted these guys or those guys in big gold, you're likely very familiar with the phone call comes in. And it's all of a sudden it's like, bye, bye, bye. You gotta, what do you have? Transfer your accounts, transfer all of it. Send it all. You know, what are you, what am I buying? It doesn't matter. Just buy it. It's, it's crazy how they, how they do business, but that's, it works. 
And that's why they can offer, you know, oh, yes, you sign here and oh, I'll send you $10,000 in free silver. You know, then you ask them, what are your what are your fees? Our fees are only 299 bucks. Oh, okay. So you're telling me that, that you guys are in business and you're sending us $10,000 in free silver so that you can make $299 in, in fees. Yep, that's that's a story. <laughs> what do you mean? How is that even possible? It's like, oh, don't worry. Just just sign here. You'll get, you want your free silver or not? Ask them. Ask them if that free silver is actually just a small portion of the profits that they're making. They know that it works to offer this free silver because it does. People will suspend disbelief in what's obviously not true. There is nothing, there is no way that a company can make $299 in profit by giving away $10,000 to all of those customers. They can make whatever excuse they want. They can oh, we had a surplus, you know, or we had returns. We had, we, we had a buyback program. And, and so, so we, we bought them back all the silver. We got it. We, we get it at cheapest wholesale price, bulk rate. Folks, that doesn't exist. It's all every aspect of what I just said that these big gold companies say to you and, and try to do to you. These are lies. The reason I work with Genesis Gold Group is because they don't offer free silver. They couldn't. They don't charge enough to be able to give you $10,000 in free silver. Think about it like this. In order for, for some company to give you $10,000 in free silver, so you, after you transfer your $100,000 uh, rollover account, okay, you transfer $100,000 of your old 401k into a, into a gold IRA, for them to send you $10,000 means that they have to make money somewhere, right? Now, here's the, the real kicker, and this is the part that will make people mad when they hear it. Those who did buy the, the $100,000 in, in free silver did their rollover account you know, from any of these big gold companies. They look on paper, and on paper it says that their account is worth $100,000. But you know how much it's actually worth if you go to, to sell it? It's not $100,000. And it's not $90,000 either. They're not giving you the $10,000 in free silver and, and calling it even. Okay. And it's, it's probably not $80,000. It's probably not $70,000. Believe it or not, it's probably not $60,000. It's probably less than that. Again, not what your account is worth on paper. I'm talking about what your account is worth in real life. Because this is real gold and silver that goes into your depository with these gold IRAs. It's physical. And when you take a, uh, you, you take that gold after you're, you know, whether you're taking a distribution or closing your account or whatever, and you go to sell it, you're not going to get what you paid for it. That's how they are able to give you free silver and only charge that $299 fee. They didn't just charge the $299 fee. That's they, they could waive that in a heartbeat, and they often do. They make their money because they're selling at $100,000, selling something that's actually valued at about $45,000. That's how they give you the free silver. Go to, to, to deal with honest people, Christian people. Go to jdrgold.com, jdrgold.com and talk to Genesis Gold Group today. Let's go ahead and take a break for station identification and then we'll be right back. So silence or whatever for a few seconds.
don't know if I'll ever get used to doing station identification. I know you're supposed to do it every hour. Something about, I don't know, somewhere it's, it's, uh, whoever, FTC or not FTC, whoever it is that, that's, it's making the rules. You gotta know who you're listening to. I guess it's an, an uh, an antiquated rule from, from before. I think, but I'm not even sure why. I'm not sure what's the, what the purpose of it is. If anybody does know, the the reason why we have to do station identification every hour, um, then let me know because I I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can always call me at eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. Yeah, it's it's funny because I did obviously, and anybody who's heard my show before, you're very well aware that sometimes I will set aside, get really ambitious, and I'll set aside. Uh, a dozen stories, maybe 15, sometimes as many as 20 stories that I want to talk about during the show. And I think to myself, hey, it's two hours. I mean, surely I can get to 10 or 15 stories in, in two hours. Yeah, I can cover them, talk about them for two or three minutes, and the next thing I know, I'm on to the next story. And yet here we are, the first hour, we got to three, and I didn't even finish the third. Oh, it is what it is. Um <laughs> Here's one. Yeah, I don't I don't use the Daily Wire very often for a source because they're usually either slow or a, you know, a little neoconish, maybe a lot neoconish. But uh this story it struck my it caught my attention obviously because well you'll you'll understand why. And I didn't find it anywhere else. Now this is possible. This could have been like uh maybe it was covered really a lot on Monday. And I just missed it, but I don't think so. I, I don't think people caught on to this one. Story: uh, The headline is four Los Angeles sheriff employees die by suicide within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, four members of of one sheriff's department die by suicide. Is is it me or is that kind of kind of like huh? <laughs> That's a little a little suspicious. Anyway, uh, <laughs> according to the article. Four current and former Los Angeles Sheriff's Department employees have died by suicide over 24 hours in a shocking tragedy that has rocked the city's law enforcement community. Three current employees and one former employee died by suicide in a 24-hour span that began on Monday. First death was the was of Commander Darren Harris, who had served as the Sheriff's De- uh, Department chief's uh, department's chief spokesperson person during his 25-year career. Harris was reportedly found dead in his uh, Santa Clarita home Monday morning with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Later on Monday, uh, authorities found the body of Sergeant Greg Hovland at his Quartz Hill home. Another employee was found dead just after sunset at a home in Stevenson Ranch. The next day, around 7.30 a.m., a fourth sheriff's deputy employee was reported dead by suicide at a Pomona hospital. Sheriff's homicide detectives responded to the scene. Already this year, four other sheriff's department uh, employees had died by suicide. So this is eight this year. Now, eight in a year, law enforcement, my dad was a cop, so I know that, that it's it can be very, very, very stressful, obviously. But, <clears throat> and of course, you know, it has one of the highest suicide rates out there. Eight in a year in the in the uh uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. That seems a little. That seems like a lot. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's it's always around that. But that seems excessive. But for in in a 24 hour period, that's definitely excessive. And that's something that that's like, huh? <laughs> huh. 
wonder what's happening over in the LA Sheriff's Department. What what is what is going on? What do they know? What's going you know, are these all suicides? I'm not making any crazy accusations on this one because I have no other facts other than what they've told us. But even that alone should raise a red flag. Why haven't we heard about this? Why isn't this big news? You would think that four suicides in one sheriff's department within 24 hours would be big national news. And yet, I didn't see it anywhere, except for here on Daily Wire. Back to the article. Sheriff Robert Luna said the department's homicide bureau would investigate the death and urge deputies to check on each other in the wake of the deaths. Makes sense. Uh, And this is a quote from Luna from a statement that they put out on Tuesday. We are stunned to learn of these deaths, and it has sent shockwaves of emotions throughout the department as we try and cope with the loss of not just one, but four beloved active and retired members of our department family. During trying times like these, it's important for personnel, regardless of rank or position, to check on the well-being of other colleagues and friends. Yeah, strange stuff, strange stuff. And a lot of the, anytime those suicides go up in recent, obviously recent years, the the folks is on has been on COVID, but I I can no longer buy into that. Not at least now. Not as we approach twenty twenty four. Um, and again, not the COVID aspect of it, or even the vaccine aspect of it. But specifically, I can't necessarily buy into the notion that COVID lockdowns are having this impact now. And I'm not saying that they they're not affecting us now. I'm talking about suicides in particular. Okay. Do I think that the lockdowns have had an effect on crime and continue to have an effect on crime? Absolutely. Suicide is is something different, though, because it's you could say, yes, but during the lockdowns, there was a a sharp rise in mental illness. And that treatment, you know, it went untreated and now continues to go untreated. And that's why there's more suicides. Okay, maybe. But maybe there's something more to it. And I'm not going to get into that conspiracy today. Just, just know that I'm thinking about it, and we're looking into it. <laughs> that's that's the best I can do. Speaking of cops, let me take a swig of water real quick. You know, one of the hard parts about doing these live shows, I don't like to do commercial breaks. You know, I, if if I didn't have to do the station identification, I would just talk to you guys for two hours straight. As a matter of fact, I'd probably stay on here for an hour talking to no one after the two hours because I can just keep talking. You know, took me up with an adult diaper and I am good to go. Just talk, talk, talk. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but the uh, the one thing that's that is hard sometimes when you're because I have been obviously sick lately is staying hydrated during the show. I made the huge mistake of grabbing a bottled water. Usually I can get, yeah, I've, I've got it down pretty well for radio to where I can just take my, my cup, right. And just, uh, just take a quick sip in between, the uh, talking points, you know, get to a, a, a nice stopping point in a story, take a quick sip, do it ever so, so quietly and put it down ever so quietly on the coaster on my desk. And nobody ever knows <laughs> with a bottle of water. I forget. When you have a bottle of water, it doesn't matter how quiet you are, it's going to make noise. So I apologize if you hear bottled water noises here on today's show. Give me a call, 888-627-6008. Story out from Not the Bee, one of my favorite uh, sites, by the way. You know, it's the same guys that do Babylon Bee. Um, I, I'm friends with with a few of them over there. Actually, one of them, uh, one of the founders, 
message me the other day. He's he's moving on. I'm not for bad reasons. We just it's he's been doing it for a decade, and it's time for something new. So uh, so God bless him. Hopefully he will will find something awesome next. Maybe he'll start working with me. I made the offer, but we'll see. Uh, but the uh, so you got the Babylon Bee. That's obviously the satire site, and then not the Bee is the not satire site. They get some stories though that really blow me away. You know, for a company or for an organization, a news outlet that is so new, um, they've got great connections. They really nail it. Uh, and they have great perspectives on those connections or on those stories as well. So according to uh, not the B, uh, Ed- Edward Teach over there, seven cops placed on leave after Nashville manifesto leaked. Seven cops were placed on leak uh, on leave after the leak of the the Nashville manifesto. For those who didn't notice, and if you're getting your news from corporate media, maybe it's very possible you didn't notice because a lot of them just didn't even cover it at all. Most of them didn't cover the fact that the the manifesto, or at least the first three pages of the manifesto, written by Audrey Hale, the Nashville shooter, the hideous hideous shooter that went in and, and murdered children. Um well that the the uh first few pages of of her manifesto was released. It was leaked to Stephen Crowder and uh the folks in law enforcement in Nashville, and apparently also from the FBI, are saying they are not confirming that it was that these leaks were real. They're not confirming that these hideous words, this hideous bigotry, this clear mental illness derived from Audrey Hale's transgenderism, derived from perhaps her her uh, gender care or whatever they call it, derived from the brainwashing. That made her believe in such things as white privilege. That made her believe that white kids needed to be slaughtered. This manifesto that demonstrated that they didn't want it leaked because, of course, it goes against the the common narrative, the narrative they're trying to push about you know the trans supremacy agenda. For example, they don't want you to to notice these things. Well, it got leaked, and the FBI and uh, law enforcement refused to acknowledge that it was real. They would not confirm it. But I guess they kind of just did, right? Because they just put seven of their officers who were may have been in connection with the release of the manifesto. They put them on leave, administrative leave. Now, here's the thing. If a manifesto doesn't exist, then you don't put people on leave for leaking it. If a manifesto is fake... You don't put people on leave for releasing it. You just say, that's fake. You say, hey, I mean, maybe you put them on leave, but at the very least you come out and you say, nope, that's not it. Don't, you know, stop. No, this, this, this is, that's a, that's fake news. That's not the real manifesto. We didn't release it. And that's a false one. They didn't say that. Instead, they said, we're not going to confirm it, but we are going to put these seven National officers on administrative leave. Folks, it's not that they're stupid. It's that they think we're stupid. And unfortunately, many times they are correct. Here's a story that comes from Olivia Cook over at naturalnews.com. World, uh, world's second human recipient of genetically altered pig heart dies after showing signs of organ rejection. You know, I know, I get it, right? We do 
they do crazy things with science. They do crazy things, especially in medical science, because they're just trying to heal or they're, they're heal people. Or in, in most cases, they're trying to to get patents and make profits. But but even which I'm not against, by the way. Um, but yeah, they they want to come up with something that's going to be going to be earth shattering. They want to come up with something that's going to be uh, that's going to save lives and uh, and uh, you know make make things possible. For people, so the idea of using a a pig's heart, genetically modifying it and then putting it into a human, makes sense. Okay, from a scientific perspective, it does make sense. I just I'm not crazy about the idea of these chimeras walking among us because that's really what it would be. You know, you take another human heart or even a an artificial heart <laughs> like Captain Picard in a in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, you take you take a, a something like that, and is it is it bad? No, not really. You know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to survive, right? But when you start getting into this, pigs' hearts? No, I no. I mean, I'm sure this opinion is probably unpopular with a lot of people. I would rather die than have the an organ, a crucial organ from another animal, especially a pig put into my body. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> good to go. <laughs> Take me home, God. Uh, I'm not, not letting a, a pig into literally physically into my body. According to the article, doctors at the University of Maryland Medical System have announced the death of 58-year-old Lawrence Fawcett, the second person in the world to receive a heart transplant from a pig just six weeks after the procedure. Fawcett from Frederick, Maryland, the father of two who worked as a laboratory technician at the National Institute of Health, ah, an NIH employee before retiring, uh, was suffering from a terminal heart disease and received a pig's heart that was genetically altered to be compatible with humans on September 20th. He passed away on October 30th. Uh, there's something there that doesn't probably doesn't, maybe doesn't catch a lot of people's attention because, oh, my gosh, a pig's heart, really? Genetically altered to be compatible with humans? Really? That's crazy. That last part is actually the bigger one. The bigger story here is that they are able to, or at least in the process of trying to be able to, obviously it didn't work because he's dead, but they're in the process of being able to genetically alter a pig's heart so that it's compatible with humans. If they can do that with a heart, what else can they do that with? Obviously just about, I mean, next to the brain, and you know maybe the you can make an argument about the kidneys there's there are, are uh there aren't very many organs that are more personal than the heart right i mean you'd be oh, but it's just a muscle yeah i get that but then again it's it's more than just a muscle there's something something to the heart that is very obviously crucial for life but also that is very personal so the ability to take these these just the muscles and and uh manipulate them from one animal into a human. That's uh that's crazy. Especially if you've read your Bible, especially if you know um even extra biblical information about, for example, the Nephilim or the giants or the um there's this theory that I'll talk about someday in the future about Easter Island that pertains to organ transplants, chimera. That pertains to basically the ability to um, if you if the if the giants the nephilim they, if they can't reproduce 
normally, then maybe there's a way for them to reproduce by using genetic modification, and that has to do with Easter Island, and that has to do with a, a very long conspiracy theory that I'm not going to get into today. But it sh- again, it should just uh, wake you up a little bit. Back to the article briefly. He was uh, in end-stage heart failure when he came into the hospital on September 14th and was deemed ineligible for a traditional heart transplant due to his advanced medical condition, including peripheral vascular disease, according to Dr. Bartley P. Griffith, the surgeon who led the transplant team. But on September 15th, the Food and Drug Administration granted an emergency authorization permit for Fawcett to undergo the highly experimental surgery to extend his life with a genetically modified pig heart. Like I said, I'm not not going to condemn somebody for making a decision, especially when it comes to life or death. Maybe I will, but not in this case. <laughs> in this case, you know, he was just misled and it it he was going to die anyway. Why not take a shot? That was his perspective. And that's a very brave brave uh effort on his part, a very brave decision. And he's thinking, okay, we're doing it for medical science as well. Maybe we can help people in the future. Again, not condemning him for the choice, per se. But the idea that this is a choice, that's the part that concerns me greatly. You know, one of the choices that we have in this world is to be able to, at least for now, for today, is to decide what we put into our bodies. Now, there is a push right now ongoing, to utilize mRNA vaccines in cattle. It's funny. It's not funny at all, actually. It's pretty sad. They've actually been doing this since 2018 in pigs, okay? Your bacon, your ham, it's been injected with mRNA vaccines since 2018, but nobody knew about it. It wasn't until, I believe it was 2022, it might have been this year, but I think it was actually last year when I first saw an article by uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola talking about it, revealing it. And it had been a secret that even despite everything that's been happening in the world for the last few years, somehow we, we missed the fact that for the last five or six years, they've been injecting mRNA uh, technology into pigs that we eat. Well, now they're trying to do the same thing with cows. They're going to do the same thing with chickens. They really, really want you to have no natural choices. They don't. They don't want you to be able to eat just good old-fashioned pasture-to-plate meat. They want it to be either lab-grown or formulated from from soy or formulated from from insects, from bugs, from crickets, from mealworms. Or if you are, if you're just dead set, you got to eat meat. Well. They want to make sure to taint that as well with their mRNA injections. This is the reason that I started a company back in 2022 called Prepper All Naturals. You can get there by going to freedomfirstbeef.com. That's freedomfirstbeef.com. And you can get long-term storage beef. This isn't the you know something that you got to stick in the freezer or cook today. These are in Mylar bags. They're freeze-dried. They're cooked. Okay. And you can keep them on the shelf, shelf-stable, for 25 years. 25 years. This is why we got people that are stocking up over and over again, continue to stock up. And this isn't beef crumbles or beef chunks or anything like that. We're talking about New York strip, ribeye, tenderloin. We cut them into cubes. We sous vide them. 
freeze dry and put them into Mylar bags and ship them out. So go to freedomfirstbeef.com, use checkout JDR at checkout, use promo code, use checkout JDR promo code. No, it's the other way around. Reverse that. Use promo code JDR at checkout and save 15% because it is expensive, folks. It's expensive. This is, this stuff is high quality, all natural, and it lasts for 25 years. What more could you want? It doesn't come cheap. So use promo code JDR at checkout and make it a little bit cheaper. 15%. Save, save the money. Go to freedom first beef dot com. What does this all come down to? You know, when we're dealing with all the shenanigans that are happening in the world today, I can point to just about everything. And I won't say it's a hundred percent, but it's pretty darn close to a hundred percent of the time. What we're dealing with, what we're truly fighting against is an attack against the faith. It really is. Now, I had planned today to talk a lot about abortion. Because obviously on Tuesday there was a lot of abortion talk, abortion bills getting passed, making it a a, a um, Ohio constitutional amendment, making making it permanent, doing everything they can to expand on abortion ever since Roe v. Wade, and people are saying that that's the reason that that uh, Republicans are losing. That story by itself, the fact that they're saying that. Not the not the loss, the losses the Republicans took on Tuesday, but the fact that they're using that narrative. And it's not just leftist media; it's very a lot in corporate media, and a lot of big Republican donors are saying this now, saying that it's the abortion issue. It's the abortion issue. My intention today was to talk thoroughly about that, but I'm going to have to save that for either tomorrow or the day after, um, well, which would be Monday. I'm going to have to save it because it's a. I have to do a little bit, I'm close, but I have to do a little bit more research on the topic because I want to be able to demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that abortion is not the losing issue. I won't be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that voter massive widespread voter fraud contributed once again to the 2023 election losses just as it did in 2022, just as it did in 2020. Okay, just as it may have done, I, I don't have evidence because I wasn't paying enough attention back then, but just as I believe it probably happened in 2018 and probably before then. Uh, but no, they're they're not looking into that. They're looking into, oh, hey, you know, it's uh, it's the abortion thing. That's what's killing us. We got to we got to stop talking about abortion or we got to change our perspectives as Republicans on abortion. That is false. That it really does come down to an attack on the faith. But again, today's not the day just yet to talk about it. So uh, we are going to talk about some of this stuff. First, I want to go to Tim from Louisiana. Uh, Tim's got some some questions. So so let's go. Hey, how you doing? Tim, I'm doing fantastic. Hello. Thank you for calling in. Oh, that, that sounds good. But, uh, look, I've heard you a couple of days before, but I'm trying to tell you that uh, on that problem, you are wrong about the earth is not flat. The earth is flat. Mm-hmm. It just have hills and dales in it. Now, if you read the Bible, it tells you in Revelations uh, 71 and uh, that the angels on the earth is holding back the winds from the four corners of the earth. But yep. the real answer is in Job 26 and 7, 
where it said that the earth hangs on nothing. So it's just hanging there. It's not rotating. Okay? They all oh, I'm with now. you. They got Keep going. Ecclesiastes 1 and 5. Go ahead. No, no, keep going. No, I mean, uh, see, the sun is moving. The sun and the stars is going around the earth. The earth is not moving. Ecclesiastes 1 and 5 say the sun go up and the sun go down. Now, I can't remember all of them, but, uh, you know, during my study, this is what I read. Tim, have you ever... Have you ever looked into um, any of the uh, non non canonical uh, non canonical like Enoch, for example, and his perspectives yeah, on I, the flat Earth? Yeah, I read that too. But see, you got it a whole does, bunch of people. Now go ahead. Lying. You got a whole bunch of people lying, just like right now. They're lying about this. They're lying about the the uh, election. They're lying about everything. Everything, just about everything you have learned in school has been a lie. Now, that I agree with wholeheartedly. Well, you know, you know, I'm seventy years old, and uh, by me coming up during the time, I found out one thing. Whatever somebody say. You do just the opposite, and you'll be much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely, Tim. Absolutely. Now, I will say this. The reason that I'm not a believer in flat earth theory, I have done research. I have looked into it, and I have nothing against the flat earth community. As a matter of fact, I know somebody that I greatly respect, um, one of my wife's best friends, as a matter of fact, who is – she spends her time. She She does – an insane amount of research, and she is thoroughly convinced that the earth is flat. It is going to take more for me to ever believe it. And again, I have entertained it. I have. I used to listen to um, a gentleman. I'm sure you, you're you're aware of him. Um, a gentleman by the name of of Skiba. I've actually spoken to his son as well. And he was very, very, very much into the flat earth theory. And he really referenced the book of Enoch as his reasoning behind it. So it's funny that I had mentioned that one. And, and thank you for calling me out on that because I mentioned it. The reason and I, I want to be clear because I don't hold any ill will towards the flat earth community. The reason that I even right. used it as an example, the reason that I used it as an example the other day, because I want people to understand the the stories that I'll be talking about on this show, a lot of them do dive into conspiracy theories, and I'll be the first to admit that I am relatively new. Okay, I've been doing this for years, not decades, as far as talking about and researching conspiracy theories. You know, I use the example of, you know, I do not believe that, for example, Paul McCartney was killed, died in a car crash in the 1960s, and was replaced by a doppelganger. But <laughs> frankly, I. I could be convinced of that if there's evidence that, that shows that. Just as I can be convinced, I think, possibly, I could be convinced that the Earth is flat. But based upon the research that I've done so far, it seems much more likely, in my humble opinion, that it's not. Now, with that said, 
Again, I have to be clear. I do respect. I do not have anything against those who believe that it's it is flat because the evidence is very compelling. As you know, there is a lot of not just biblical but even scientific evidence that does point to the idea of a geocentric model, one where the earth is the center of the universe and where everything is going around and where the earth is there is no curvature that it's flat. The hardest part for me, and this is the part where, where I've, you know, from a logical perspective, I've had a hard, the hardest time wrapping my brain around it, is the idea of why. Okay, in other words, for them, if the powers that be, if they have this this notion that hey, we need to convince the world, we need to convince everybody that the Earth, which is flat, we have to convince them that it's round. My challenge, yeah. because you're talking about a monumental, a monumental uh, undertaking to try to convince people of that, if it's not true. So for that to be the case, I can't figure out why they, why wouldn't, where, where's the advantage to them? Maybe you can help me out, Tim. What is the advantage to, say again? I say, I can help you. Please tell but me. Like I say, I'm, I'm, like I said, if you read Job, well, I mean Job, J-O-B, 26 and 7, B, it's two parts to it. And it's talking about the earth is hanging on nothing. That means it's just hanging there. Now, if it had wires, it would hang there. But you get to uh, the first quarter of the moon, where the moon is half full, well, if the light from the moon shine from the sun, then where do that half a moon come from if the earth is round? See, you cannot, you can take a basketball and put it in one hand and a horse pipe in another hand and shoot water on that basketball and it will not flood. But the earth floods everywhere. So that tells you something. It's not round. And the gravity has nothing to do with it. Tim, again, when we can definitely, it's funny because I do need, I think what I need to do, I need to get, um, I forgot his first name, the, the younger Skiba, Skiba's son. I need to get him on the show. He has his own show, by the way, um, where, where they, they talk about this stuff. And I'm, it's, I'm not, it's not the evidence. Okay. I have looked into the evidence. My question for you and for anybody out there is if the earth is flat, why? Do the powers that be? Why are they so adamant about convincing people that it's round? That it's a, well, a, a sphere. I shouldn't easy, say round. Easy. Please. That's a that's an easy answer. They do not want you to follow what the Bible says. They want you to believe them, not the Bible. Okay. And that's the way the world is. The world is against the creator. He is not a God. He is a creator. That's why he said, have no other God before me. And they are doing that now. They want to be God. They want to be uh, what they call a apotheosis, a man-made God. See, I'm full of answers. I just don't do too much to talk because I don't have a phone. I'm... I rode five miles on my bicycle this morning to come out here and use my nephew's phone. <laughs> oh, thank you, you so much, Tim. 
Yeah, just to tell you, you know, I you know, I hear a lot of people saying that, so I you know, I got tired of hearing people say the earth is round. It's not. Well, I will now, I will do this. I will do this for specifically for you, Tim. I will stop using that example because it's, it's it is a very bad example, by the way. So it's a horrible example for me to use as far as oh, these are conspiracy theories because there are conspiracy theories out there that are intended specifically to to misinform and disinform. Okay, this is CIA playbook is is geared around right. trying to keep people confused. And I will not going forward. I will never use the flat Earth theory as an example of that because like you said there is there is compelling evidence there is very compelling evidence that does back the idea of a flat earth theory this is why so many i mean we're talking about i would say i don't know what the exact numbers are but there's at least hundreds of thousands of americans who believe in flat earth theory and uh, based upon my research which is which is i would say decent may probably uh, definitely above average but the research that I've done, which is clearly not as much research as you have done, but the research that I've right. done, both biblically and scientifically, tell me that there is less of a chance that the earth is, is flat than that the earth is round. But again, I do keep an open mind because it is not, it is not one of those theories that you should say, oh, you know, oh, that's, that's a ludicrous theory. No, there's compelling evidence. There are, there are reasons for people to believe it. And so that I greatly respect. As long as people can make a good argument and it's not based upon fantasy and it's not based upon if they're making an argument from a biblical perspective and from a logical perspective, then I'll listen to them. Just as I I I mean I'm fascinated by everything that you're saying, Tim. I, I hope you have more. Right, I mean, so if you have more, keep going. Look, uh see the world is against the creator and Everything that the creator has done, they undo. Okay, you you don't have Martin Luther King. He have a birthday, but Moses don't have no birthday. Now he was a man of the creator. You see what I'm saying? Now they have mind control. It's been going on. Matter of fact, if you go back to the 1400, that the uh, the creator's name was in the Bible, but somebody took it out. Now, I believe it was the Jews who wrote the book. Now, if you go to uh, the uh, what the followers of Yah, you will find out they have a, a video of a picture with the Bible with the Creator's name in there. That's why all this stuff that's going on and, and nothing happening, because everybody's calling on the wrong name. The creator's name is your breath of life. If you put your hands over your ears and listen to yourself breathe, like a doctor uses a stethoscope on you, you can hear the name of the creator. And his name is Yahweh. Breathe in, Yah, out, Wah. That's the name, the call on. And his son has his name. Uh... John 5 and uh, 43, he said, I'll come in my father's name, you see, and they kill him because that's what he did. He came in his father's name. So we understand that the world is against us, see. Now, the word Christian, hey, 
That's illegal. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that the Creator called you a Christian. If you read backwards, that's how you understand the Bible. Instead of starting from Genesis, you start at Revelation. So you get the fear of the Creator in you, so you will know. And that's why most people are under mind control. See, Hebrew and Greek do not have a J. Now, where that J word come from? It come from the Jesuits who used that word to deceive the people. So all these preachers and all these people are, are talking about his name is J. They lie. Luke 10 and 20. So Luke 10 and 20 through 24, and you read that, it tells you that no man knows his name. If you are not involved in the truth of knowing the Creator, and you call him the wrong name, and you call him God, you will not know the truth. Hey, JB, look, I don't want to talk too long because uh, I don't want to take, take over your show. I want you to, you know, try to help. I want you to help the people buy some food and some gold. Because they're going to need it. Okay. Tim, I love you, man. This is, this is, this has been my, I will, through the, throughout the years, I've taken a lot of great calls and I've taken a lot of really awful calls. I would say this one ranks up there. As one of my favorites. And again, you know, we disagree about that, about one aspect of it, but everything else that you said, you know, you are correct in, in, uh, your understanding of what's happening well, in the I've world. I've been here a long time. I've been here a long time, JB. See, and, uh, I graduated from high school in 1972. You know what? That was after they integrated the school. And, all them girls told me I was the smartest boy in the class. You see what I'm saying? Now, I, I tried I to publish a book. I tried to publish a book in, in 2012. And nobody wouldn't publish that book. Not even the self-publishers. You know why? Because I had the truth in there and they didn't want it out. <laughs> see? It was called the uh, Pearl of Great Price. So they you, never, you were never commitment. able to get it published. I never was able to get it published. They hmm. took and locked my laptop up. I couldn't do nothing. I gave it away. I don't have no phone. I don't have no TV. I don't have a car. You know what I'm saying? Because I am what they call targeted. So I go. I use other people's phone. I don't have no way for nobody to track me and trace me. So That's they have smart. to watch me. They have to watch me open. They got people riding around my house uh, uh, day and night trying to watch me. Look up in my yard, and I'm looking right at them. But uh, hey, it's okay. Ain't nothing they can do. There's not, as long as we have our faith in our Lord no, and Savior. No, it's not. It's not the faith. It's believing. If you believe that the Creator. Is going to protect you, like he said in the word. Huh? He said, "You ask anything in his name, he's going to do it." Well, I'm doing a whole lot of asking. You understand what I'm saying? I do. But I'm, but I'm using the right name. 
Well, I appreciate that, Tim. I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you, because this is, look, we are faced with disinformation across the board. And you're right when right. you say that they they want people to they want people to not only not know the truth but to more importantly they want them to embrace the lies. Now, right. Our focus here is on trying to get the truth out there. And this is why, you know, you, listen, even if we disagree on some of what you say, I have no right. intention of preventing you from saying it. As long as you don't curse or do anything that'll that'll get us in trouble with with the uh, with the radio people, right? Keep going yeah. because this is the type of stuff. These are the types of discussions that we have to have. And some people are going to be, some people are listening to us right now and they're thinking, "What are these guys talking about? These guys are crazy." And maybe we are, yeah. but I don't think so. I think that we're we're actually probably on the right track. Wouldn't you say that, Tim? Oh yeah, because if you look at a calendar. You see, the new moon is a new month. And what a new moon doing in the middle of the month? Something wrong. They're using the wrong days. You see what I'm saying? They changed the name of everything. They changed the name of the day of the week. They changed the name of the month. Because they want you cursed. See, people don't read the Bible. If you read the... uh. What it is, the second commandment, it says, you, this bump says part of it. Do not make any graven image or any likeness. If you get a, a old dictionary and it and look up the word likeness, the likeness is a picture or a portrait of you. That's idolatry. That's the sin that will kill you. Why do the world want you to get a driver license with a picture on it? They got you. They make you sin against the creator so the creator can curse you. You got to watch what you're doing. You want to be blessed. You want to bless your children, your family. You got to know how to do that. You see, the sins of the fathers are passed down to three or four generations of people who sin. That's the father. They affect us all, all kind of ways. We have to, I mean, get the find somebody who know the truth. You see what I'm saying? Look, I don't like to talk on the phone because they are listening to what you're saying. I write letters, and my letters, I I write to a, a guy uh, got Thunderbird Radio, and I wrote it before, and. They sent that letter back, returned to sender with the same address. They don't want me to talk to certain people because they know I might do what I'm doing right now, exposing them for what they are. They are liars. That now, is the truth. Tim. You say you, Tim from Louisiana. I'm, I'm going to run. Final hey, words. Hey. Thank you. Be blessed. No, thank you. Be blessed. Yes. Bless you, Tim from Louisiana. This is one of the reasons that that I love taking calls because we need to. We need to, to have discussions. And I know there's going to be people out there that don't want to hear this or don't want to hear that. But sometimes we have to listen. Sometimes 
we have to to take ideas that maybe we've spent our entire lives believing the exact opposite, and we have to be able to 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 listen to that. So, Tim from Louisiana, thank you so much for the call. Anybody wants to call in eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. This is doing the JD Rucker show has been such a blessing for me over the years, and being here on WWCR radio is is new for me because it's it's you know we've always done AM or FM. Um, doing shortwave means that we're able to reach a much wider audience. The people out there listening right now. You guys represent what I believe to be the cutting edge because let's face it, shortwave is old, but what is shortwave also? Shortwave is also, in many ways, it is the future. Shortwave is, in my humble opinion, the it will be the the last way to engage in mass communication. When the powers that be, when things really start hitting the fan, when it starts to get really bad, and that could be Tomorrow, that could be next month, next year. I don't think it's going to be a decade from now. Like I said, I think a lot of this stuff is going to start falling into place ahead of 2030. And when we do that, when 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 we know that that we've got just a few years left to try to get our our houses in order, at least here in the, in the world, then it's important to have these discussions with people across the world, across the country, everywhere we can. So that's why I encourage people, please. Call in and let's talk about this. John from Kansas is on line one. John, go ahead. Well, you know, uh, I'm glad this Bible and religion things works for a whole bunch of you. That's wonderful. I'm I'm glad that's what works for you. What works for me is to get quiet and listen and guide your life by what you hear. Because I've been bitten by religion and people that called it spirituality, and it was nothing but religion, and all they wanted was money, and, and, and they just wanted to cram stuff down my throat. And I had to go back, get to get hurt really bad by people I never would have thought would have hurt me so bad, and get back to the way I've always been. And you just got to get quiet and listen to your heart. I agree. And that's what works for me. I don't care about the Bible or religion or any of that because all the religions of the world are so similar and we fight and kill millions of people over our religions when all we need to do is get along. Sometimes they won't let us get along, though, and I think you know that. Sometimes what they're pushing may be again. The- cram everything down our throats and tell us it's their it's their belief. <laughs> Understand that? No, absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons with this show we do not. You know, this is obviously I am a Bible believing Christian, but you won't hear me trying to to cram anything down anyone's throat because I do believe that people have to make decisions on their own. And you're right when you say sometimes you just have to be quiet. Maybe most of the time you have to be quiet and listen because here's the thing. If you are uh, engaged in the world, I don't, I don't care if you're a Christian or a Jew or an atheist or an agnostic or, or whatever, Muslim, Hindu, 
they, again, the powers that be, if we want to look at it from a purely secular perspective, they want us to be divided. They want us to be fighting, because if we're fighting each other, we're not going to be fighting them. And they know this. They know that they, they can wield faith, wield religions in a way that is extraordinarily divisive. So, John, thank you from Kansas. Thank you for calling. Any any final thoughts? No, I, I've made my mistakes in life. I will make more mistakes. But I try to live my life the way I can and, and try to be a peacemaker and try to get along. And when somebody I believe is wrong, I try to correct them or, or at least give them some advice. And I, I just try to help everybody get along. I mean... There's too much division. I live I live way out in the hills of the of the Flint Hills, and and, and I I don't have anybody anywhere close to me. But I still like to go to town or to different towns and try to to uh, talk to people and see what's going on in their lives and uh, and and see if I can be of some help to show them a way to get along and and, and uh, go with the flow. That's what I've been told for a lot of my years, go with the flow. And it's not the wrong flow. It's not what the mainstream is trying to tell you to do. But I just... No, it's not. I, I just try to be a positive in people's lives. Amen to that, brother. Well, and again, you know, it's one of the things we want to make sure is that that we do promote, obviously, a biblical worldview, but people have to either embrace it or not. And the idea that we have to we have to force feed it down people's throat—that's something that 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 has proven to be detrimental in many ways now i'm not going to i'm not going to sit back and, and promote a uh was a, a flintstones vitamins variation of of uh evangelism but i'm also not going to sit here and say oh my gosh you know you've gotta you've gotta go go to war to to make people believe we have to have another crusades or or whatever that's that's definitely not not the idea so john from kansas thank you for the call uh, we've got um robert Robert from Ohio on line two. Robert, talk to me. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the deal with Israel over there. Okay. Is, is, is it echoing now? Are you, you there? You sound fine on my end. I am, but okay, I, I don't hear the phone. echo. So definitely turn down your okay. radio. Okay, yeah. I wanted to talk to you. Remember it said that the kibbutz was attacked over there in Israel? Do you know what a yep. kibbutz is? Yes. It's a collective farm. You know that, right? Absolutely. It's very, very much. It's the design. The kibbutzes were designed to be basically little mini communist societies where they can work in, you know, tandem and, and create their little utopias so that they could, you know, not have to have anything to do with the rest of the world. And all they have to do is just be, be essentially, it's a communist society in a, in a small form. Yeah. Okay. In time, life. In time, in life's the world's greatest religions, I learned that. Do you know that when they formed the Jewish homeland, that they stole the, the Zionists, not the Jews, 
the Zionists, the Azakanazi Jews, they're not even the true Sephardic Jews, they're Azakanazi Jews. They're the ones that ran the banking scam with the Rothschilds. They're the ones that robbed the whole world. They stole the, the land of Palestine was bigger, way bigger than Israel itself. And the, the Zionists stole that and put the Palestinians in that little Gaza Strip deal. Do you know that? I am very aware of the history, and we, we can go all the way back to the rise of Zionists in the nineteenth uh, Zionism in the nineteenth century, and see the transition of how everything unfolded all the way up until from to to nineteen forty eight and onwards, obviously until today. And there is a lot of compelling evidence that many of the people who were involved not just not just people with uh, that are Jews but also people in England people across western society did participate in something that was we'll say controversial but i think you have a different different take on it than just calling it controversial what do you think it is robert i think it's a giant scam i think that they're playing us saying they're god's chosen people and i think that there were 12 tribes of israel and only one of them was Judah, and the Israelites, the true Israelites, migrated through over the Caucasian, the Caucasus Mountains, and that's why we're called Caucasians, and went through Europe and came here and established this as the true Israeli Promised Land, America. And I think that you ever have you ever heard of a, someone named Colonel Jack Moore who wrote the Military Code of Conduct? Yeah. Okay, I have his writings. And he, you can read his books, and he proves that they're they're playing us. Okay, they, we give them eight billion dollars a year minimum. We gave them nuclear weapons. They're setting us all up to get killed. The whole thing is a scam. Why would Americans starve and give them tons of money, just like we're giving all this money to Ukraine? Why would we do that? Why don't we take care of America and let these... Israel has enough bombs and nukes and nuclear submarines. Why do we even have to get involved over there? I think they're sucking us in, and, I, and Biden saying we're trying to keep out of the war, I believe is an absolute liar, and he's trying to get us in a war, a war over there if we aren't in enough of them already. Well, let's be clear about that. So, number one, <clears throat> I wholeheartedly agree with you. I made it very clear that my stance on this, look, was October 7th horrible? Um, yes. Should the Israeli government and the Israeli military um, be engaged in trying to bring, to destroy Hamas? Absolutely. We can also note that they did participate in, in creating Hamas in the first place, but that's a discussion for another day. But I've also been very clear that our role, the United States, our role in all of this needs to be as hands-off as possible. In other words, can we offer them, for example, intelligence? Yeah, sure, you know. But should they get any financial aid? No. Should they get any military aid? No. They can buy, if, if they want to buy weapons from us, fine. I, I'm okay with that. But do they need to get a penny of aid? Should, should Israel or Ukraine or anybody have a single U.S. troop or a single U.S. tax dollar given to them? Absolutely not. I'm very adamantly opposed to that. Now, real quick about what you, uh, one, one of the things that, that, uh, you know, when we're when we're talking about, um, you know, Israel from a biblical perspective, you know, was there a changeover? I, I don't get engaged in 
in replacement theology. I do take the Bible from a perspective of you know, trying to, I guess you could say, take it at, at its word. And Ezekiel 36 in particular, but you can extend that all the way from 36 to 39. That is, to me, the most compelling evidence that that at least something, now people can say, well, yes, it's Ezekiel 36 when it's talking about the return of the Jews. Perhaps it's talking about us. Perhaps it's talking about, you know, some other geographic area. That's the part where I have the hardest time um, coming coming to the same conclusion that you have. Simply because, again, we're, if you read through Ezekiel 36 in particular, but again, continuing on into 37 and the Valley of Dry Bones and and all of that stuff, which all seem to be future events, it does from a, I guess you could say a literal interpretation does seem to imply that the Jewish people, that they will return to their homeland, which obviously um, based upon, you know, depending upon your point of view, they, they have now, and that at some point their hearts will be turned from stone to flesh, that essentially their eyes will be open. So people that say, you know, when you're talking about God's people, um, I look at it as until and unless they come to the understanding and the faith that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, there's going to be challenges. They're going to continue to face challenges. But I believe, again, based on my interpretation, that Ezekiel 36 points to a future where that is the case, where they basically they come to realize after they're in their homeland, they come to realize, oh, whoa, so he really was the Messiah the whole time, and we 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 screwed up badly. And maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, Robert, but that's at least how I, I look at it. What do you think? I think that uh, I think you're making some sense, and I think you have a good argument there. But the American churches say, you know, oh, we have to, that we have to bless the Jews and we have to stand up with them and this and that. If that's the truth, why don't any of our churches celebrate the seventh-day Sabbath? And why don't well, any do. of our churches celebrate the Jewish holidays? No, absolutely. So from a dispensationalist perspective, this is where, you know, this is where I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The American church gets it, most American churches get it very much wrong, okay, when it comes to the idea that there's there's basically, oh, you know, you, they're separate. They've got this. They've got their own covenant, and that covenant is is equal to, or maybe slightly inferior to, or no, the, no, that's that's not how it works. It they the New Testament makes it clear that there is only one one way to salvation, and his name is Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus Christ. So well, they you said, can't have a they contradiction. Said he was the son of a whore. <laughs> well, they is in yeah two thousand years ago, but but I, what I'm saying is that their if their eyes are open, as as it's spoken about in multiple areas, like you had mentioned, um, you know that that they, those who bless bless Israel will be blessed. That's it's funny how that's taken out of context. And I would argue that most evangelicals don't realize that that's talking. I mean, you're referring back to to uh, um, uh, what's the name to uh, um, oh gosh. Uh, not not Moloch. Who was it? Um, son I'm of a gun. Sure who, no, I'm not sure. It was. At. It's in Genesis. It's uh, not Genesis. It's uh, hold on, no. It's in Numbers. Give me a second. Let me think about this. Oh, son of a gun. We've only got a minute left. Um, I'll think of it. Okay. And I, and uh, we'll talk about, about it tomorrow. We yeah, up. please. You got one minute. One minute. Go. Okay. Did Did you know there were Jews celebrating at, at on the day nine eleven happened on top of a building? Oh yeah. Lighting lighters like 
And so you knew that. And they, they stopped those Jews on the way in the, going through that tunnel there in New York, and they told the police, we're not the problem, your problem, the Palestinians are. And they, they asked the Jews, what were you doing here? And they said, we were here to see the event. How did they know that event was going to happen? Right. Yep, yep. Uh, funny. Call back tomorrow. Because we need to we need to talk more about this, Robert. There's a lot there to unpack, and I think you got a lot of information that people need to hear. And I think there's a lot of interpreting that I need to hear. Plus, I need to remember the the uh, where that came from the um, the idea of blessing Israel to, to be blessed. But we'll we'll do that tomorrow. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless.